We're in week three of this series we're calling Disciple. And uh, based upon the Great Commission uh, in Matthew chapter 28, which is where you should be, in verse 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Disciples. Jesus instructed the church to go and make disciples. And remember, we talked about last week that Jesus never said, Go and make Christians. He said, go and make disciples. So why did, why did he say disciples and not Christians? Because it's disciples that have the ability to influence the world. It's the disciples that carry the anointing and carry the influence of the Spirit. People can say they're Christian, but they're no closer to God than the man in the moon. Of course, the man in the moon could be close to God, right? But you know what I'm talking about, right? And so listen, because disciples are those that have been transformed by the power of God and they have the ability to transform their environment. Jesus said this about the true disciples. He said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. The world can be a very dark place. God's antidote to that is the light of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Disciples are the method God uses to influence and to change a society around us. This series is all about Making disciples. And that's what we've been talking about. What is, the, what is it that separates a, a, a casual Christian from a disciple? We talked about that last week. You know, what is it? I mean, people say they're Christian, but, you know, really? What is it that separates somebody that says I'm a Christian and what Jesus identified as a true disciple or follower? We talked about that last week. Seven marks of a true disciple. Today, we're going to answer another question, and that question is this. What is the indispensable key of a true disciple? What's that indispensable key of a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Notice in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Verse 20, he says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So Jesus instructed his apostles to go teach these new disciples to observe or obey his commandments. That's really important. Making disciples requires teaching followers to observe or obey God's instruction, right? That's what he says. The word disciple means to be mentored or trained through teaching and instruction. You you have to become a an an apprentice, if you would. The root word for disciple means discipline. Discipline. So get this picture. You see, there can't be mentoring or training without a student's ability and willingness to discipline themselves. There has to be discipline that is incorporated and involved in the discipleship process. I believe it's personal spiritual discipline that is the indispensable key of a true disciple. 
Say, well, I'm not that disciplined. Well, to be a true disciple of Christ, you must become a disciplined individual. Personal spiritual discipline is the indispensable key of a true disciple, I believe. Amen. Now, what is, the, what is discipline anyway? What is that? Like not eating potato chips? Well, that's part of it, right? But let me give you a definition. It's the activity, exercise, or regimen that a person goes through to develop a certain skill or behavior. It's a certain regimen, an exercise program that somebody goes through to achieve a certain skill or behavior. That's what discipline is. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, listen what Paul says. Have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. But on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, some people use this verse of Scripture to excuse uh, their, themselves from having to worry about exercising. They say, well, the Bible says right there, um, bodily discipline is only of little profit. So why do it? Well, it doesn't say it has no profit. It says a little profit, right? How many of you know if you eat right, you exercise, you can have more energy, you might, la- you might live longer, right? But he says there's spiritual discipline. And it's spiritual discipline that carries the weight of what we're talking about today. Paul reminds us that personal discipline is profitable in all things. How many of you know that? Personal discipline gives you unlimited ability and an incredible advantage in life. Discipline will help you out in life. Am I talking to anybody alive today? How many of you would agree that? Yes, that's true. How many of you scared, don't know where I'm going, and you're bracing yourself? Listen, sometimes we fail to recognize the vital part that discipline pays in someone's success. We see somebody successful and we say, man, I want to be like them. I want to do that and all that stuff. But we fail to recognize the discipline that went into their success. You can't be an accomplished musician without discipline. You can't be a great athlete without discipline. You can't build a successful business without discipline. How many of you know discipline is key? And it gives you an incredible advantage and an incredible edge in life. See, we look at people and say, I wish I could run like them. I wish I could, I could uh, sing like them. But we have no idea the work, the hours, the labor that went into what we see them do. And, and we, we are just wowed by it. Discipline is so powerful. Would you agree with that? I was having a very spiritual moment last night, sitting on the couch, watching LSU Tigers. And... Um, some of you might have been there with me, but you know, this is the second time, pardon me for uh, using LSU as an analogy, but it just happened. I'm with my laptop working on this, watching LSU destroy Auburn and got revelation. Imagine that. But you know, let, let me just, let me just kind of share this practical story to, to emphasize what I'm talking about. You know, the commentators were saying, you know, LSU comes out and they're scoring, they're doing great. 
But, you know, in the last few years, LSU has really struggled in their passing game. They've had these incredible running backs and like, like tanks that just plow through the line. And that's been their bread and butter. But they've been struggling with their passing game. And everybody who knows football knows you've got to have both if you really want to blow it up. But this year, they come out of the gates and they're throwing passes and down the field, 50-yard passes, 30-yard passes. They're strike, strike, strike. And the commentators are saying, man, LSU's passing game is going to new heights. We've not seen this in years. And one of the commentators said, you know, we're talking to the quarterback about this. So what is, what is the, the, the key to the success of y'all passing game this year? He said, well, there, it's no mystery. This past summer, while everybody was off of school and football was not in season, me and the receivers went out three times a week and threw hundreds of passes, hundreds of passes. When we hit June and when we hit July, we bumped it up to four days a week. Every day, four days a week, we'd go out there and throw pass after pass after pass. What you're seeing on the field is a whole summer of strict discipline that is showing up in our game. I thought, man, if we could just understand the power of discipline, there's nothing, there's nothing that the church cannot accomplish if it sets its mind in its heart and disciplines itself to do it. Amen? Discipline. But now listen, it's not just discipline, but personal spiritual discipline, that's that indispensable key of a true disciple. You see, you can be a great athlete, but have no impact on the kingdom of God. You can be fit as a fiddle, zero body fat, but do nothing for the kingdom of God. It's not just discipline. It's spiritual discipline that distinguishes a true disciple of Christ. Are y'all with me? Are you still tracking with me? Look, look what the uh, apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.8. Paul says, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds the promise for this present life and also the life to come. So listen, what is Paul saying here? Spiritual discipline separates true disciples from the rest of the crowd. It's people that discipline. You can't be a truly effective disciple without incorporating personal spiritual discipline into your life. And so listen, I want to encourage you today. Matters not where you are. You can change where you are by just incorporating spiritual disciplines in your life. Why was the Apostle Paul able to have such a powerful impact on the kingdom of God? 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Listen what Paul says about himself. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, I am living a very focused and spiritually disciplined life. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete. And he says, by the way, listen, 
Athletes do it for a trophy. They do it for a worldly prize. And in other words, he's saying, isn't the stakes higher for you and I? Isn't the purpose greater for you and I? We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about lives changed for all eternity. What is it that will separate us and help us to have a powerful impact on the kingdom of God? It's living a disciplined life. The more disciplined we become, the greater impact we'll have. You see, it's not just personal discipline, but personal spiritual discipline that makes the difference. Amen? So what are the... What is the indispensable quality of a true disciple? It's personal spiritual discipline. Amen? So what does that mean? What does that look like? Let's take the rest of the time to just talk about it. I want to encourage you in your spiritual walk. I want you to just think for a moment that I'm not really a preacher preaching, a pastor teaching, but I'm a, I'm a coach. I'm a health coach and you're in class today. You ready to get in shape? Are you ready? Now, if I am worth my salt, if I'm going to be a good coach, I'm going to get you up off the couch, right? Because I know you're not going to get in better shape as long as you sit on the couch and eat Lay's potato chips like I did last night watching LSU play. You got to get up off the couch, right? So it's my job as a coach to try to get you up off the spiritual couch And do something. Get active. And if you will get active, I promise you, it'll impact your life. It'll give you an edge on life. It'll cause you to be more successful, not just in your walk with God, but in every area of your life. Amen? How many of you are interested in that? Well, whether you are or not, this is where we're going today. Amen? So let me talk about four spiritual disciplines of all true disciples. Number one, true disciples exercise The spiritual discipline of prayer. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have to pray to go to heaven? Well, you got to pray at least one prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. But what I'm saying, you don't have to have the discipline of prayer to go to heaven, right? You don't. Salvation is by faith. It's not by works. It's through grace. So you don't have to pray to go to heaven. But if you want to be a true disciple... You got to establish the discipline of prayer. So the question then, do you want to be a disciple or do you want to be a casual Christian? Do you want to be a fan of Jesus or do you want to be a follower of Jesus? You see, a true disciple establishes the discipline of prayer. Here's the bottom line. You can't be fruitful and influential as a disciple if you're not connected to God in prayer and devotion. Amen. Come on, that's a good place to say amen right there. Okay, so listen what Jesus said. He kind of made the point this way. John 15, 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. That's a good picture, right? A vine, branch, vine, branch. The branch can't produce fruit unless the branch is connected to the vine. Right? We are not the vine. We're the branch. The fruit is the result of being connected to the vine. So if we want to be fruitful, we got to stay connected to the vine. 
Amen? People that are spiritually influential of others are those who develop the habit of prayer, the discipline of prayer. See, it's not an option to be a true disciple. As you study the life of Jesus, you will notice that Jesus had a very strong prayer life. I mean, if anybody had reason to not really establish this discipline, it was the Son of God. But yet, as you study his life, you'll find out he established the discipline of prayer. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 34, or 35, he says, very early in the morning, anything that you get up to do very early in the morning takes discipline, right? As you yawn right here in church, you know, whoo, very early, 10 o'clock, man, who woke me up? But he said, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. Now look at this verse, Luke 5, 16. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. The spiritual discipline of prayer was very evident in the life of Jesus. Well, no wonder he was so influential. Look at the results of his disciplined life of prayer in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. How could he go around healing everybody and casting out devils and freeing people up? The reason was because he tapped into the vine and he got the power of God flowing in his life. So when he went to minister to people, things broke in the spirit realm because he tapped in. If we want to be, if we want God to be with us and fill us with his power, we got to discipline ourselves to pray. Amen. Listen, J.C. Ryle said this, I have searched the Bible and whenever I have found a man or woman of power, I found a man or woman of prayer. See, listen, the private discipline of prayer will always be followed by public demonstration of reward. You will see God's hand operating in your life. It won't be a secret. See, when that quarterback and those receivers for the LSU Tigers spent the summer. Nobody, there was no cameras there. There was nobody tapping them on the back. Man, that was a great practice today, man. Oh, that was awesome. How you sweating and you were just like wringing your, your, your clothes out in sweat, working on your receiving. That was awesome. There was no fanfare. But a few months later, when they got on the field, and they started running those routes, the receivers couldn't stand in the way of the receiver catching the ball. The reward of their discipline showed up. And see, here's what I want to encourage you with. You don't need fanfare to see whether you're praying or not, but I promise you, you will see the reward of God on your life as you discipline yourself to spend time alone with God. Amen? And I promise you this, you will see the influence of your life begin to touch other people's lives and their lives are going to be internally and eternally impacted by the Spirit of God because of your discipline. That's a good enough motivation to do it right there, isn't it? You see, listen, it's not just for the kingdom of God. You see, the way we're going to overcome the evil one is through the power of God. 
The way we're going to not succumb to the oppression of the enemy is through the anointing of God. The way that we're going to make right choices and right decisions is the wisdom of God. It's tapping into the vine and receiving the flow. Amen. Isn't that an encouraging message this morning? So let me ask you a question. How are you doing when it comes to the discipline of prayer? I want to encourage you today to set, to begin disciplining yourself. Get up off the spiritual couch and begin praying. Don't tell anybody about it. Just do it. Find you some time when you drive. Listen, turn off the radio on your way to work and pray. Amen. Turn off your radio. Quit texting while you're driving and pray. Amen. Find time to pray. Get up early and pray. 10, 15 minutes, I promise, if you will develop the habit of prayer, your life will be eternally impacted by the Spirit of God. Do do y'all think this is true? Amen. I thought you might. Okay. A second spiritual discipline of all true disciples is true disciples exercise the spiritual discipline of focus. They're focused. They deal with their spiritual distraction. Listen what the Apostle Paul said. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. Paul said, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I got a target I'm trying to hit. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. You know, think about an athlete. They eat right. They exercise a lot. They, they, they set their schedule. They do everything in their life totally surrounded by, I got an Olympics to play in. I got a football game to play in. I got a track meet to run in. I got a volleyball game to play. They totally focus their life in, in trying to accomplish their goal. And the apostle Paul saying, listen, I got a purpose. And I, listen, I run with purpose in every step. In other words, I don't waste time. I don't, I don't just lollygag through life. Man, every day is a day that I can use to accomplish my mission and my vision to do what God has called me to do. I don't spend and waste time. I try to do my best to make sure that every ounce of energy I have is targeted towards what I'm trying to accomplish. And that's what he's encouraging us. Jesus did the same thing. In John 6, 38, he said, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so listen, how much more should our lives be focused whenever you're talking about doing something for God, making an internal difference, partnering with Jesus in his mission on the world, how much more focused our life should be. Whenever I heard that about the athletes, the the wide receivers, the quarterback, spending all that time, I thought, man, you know, if I discipline myself more, I could have more impact in Lafayette. If I discipline myself more, spiritually speaking, I can touch more lives than I am now. And I'm thinking, If Family Life Church, not the building, but the people in it, if they'll discipline themselves more, some of their family members are going to get saved. Some of their lives will be changed. Bondages will be broken. Jesus will be glorified if we just discipline ourselves and get a little bit more focused. Can I encourage you, saints of God, Family Life Church, let's focus. Let's do the business of God. Let's have purpose in every one of our steps. And we're going to make a difference for God's kingdom and for God's glory. 
Come on. Are you excited about it? Come on. Get up off the spiritual couch and let's do it. Amen. Amen. Come on. Are you living your life with purpose? See, some people, they just allow, man, you know, like any little noise. What's that? Okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time with God. Oh, what? Did I hear a bird sing? What, what kind of bird was that? They're focused. See, they don't allow relationships. They don't allow opportunities. They don't allow desires to take them out of the purpose and the focus of God. Stay on point and God will use you. A disciple didn't just kind of wake up in the morning and figure out, let's see what I'm going to do today. They woke up and they said, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? I want to go where he's going. I want to do what he's doing. It's going to be a great day if we hang out with Jesus today. I mean, listen, blind people's eyes are going to be open, man. The dead might be raised today. Where is Jesus? I want to be with him. And their lives were greatly encouraged as they hung out with him. A third spiritual discipline of all true disciples is true disciples exercise the spiritual discipline of character. True disciples develop the spiritual discipline of developing their character to become like Christ. You know, when, when the followers of Jesus were called Christian, it really means Christ-like. And the disciples worked on becoming Christ-like. Jesus really had a problem with those who bypassed this. In fact, The ones that he struggled with the most are people that didn't worry about their character. And so it was mainly the Jewish teachers and leaders. In Matthew chapter 23 and 25, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You know, a hypocrite is a role player. Like you act like somebody, you know, when when you're an actor, you act a part that you're not really. And a hypocrite is somebody that acts a part that they're not really. And so like you can act like a Christian, whatever that's supposed to look like, but you're not really. It's a hypocrite. And so he says to them, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you actors. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. See, the problem with this religious leaders where they were just worrying about, hey, do I look like a Christian? How's this? Am I, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Do I, am I, am I looking like a Christian? They worried about what they looked like on the outside while they neglected the inside. And Jesus said, no, no, turn this around. Focus on the inside and then the outside is going to look just like what it's supposed to look. Amen? See, follower, like, you know, these casual Christians, they don't worry about what they do outside the walls of the church because they are an actor. Ooh, where are you going? I'm going to church. 
They're just pretending. But a true disciple, they understand that Jesus can see through glass and metal buildings and through fleshly structure and can look right down into people's hearts and know even the motive of our heart. And so they recognize, man, I ain't fooling nobody. And so I got to really pay attention to what's happening on the inside of me. Are y'all still tracking with me this morning? Jesus encouraged the religious leaders to focus more on their inner man inside the cup rather than the outside, their physical appearance. When people meet us in the community, what, what do they see? What, what do they experience? Are they experiencing Christ-like character or not? See, every encounter we have outside the church is an, is a, an opportunity to either demonstrate Christ or not. And so we need to really pay attention to that. One, uh, a number of years ago, I was talking about this, about you really got to be careful about how you're acting outside of church. One day I was coming to Walmart and, and uh, they had a parking place right up close front and I pulled in. And as soon as I pulled in, a car came around behind me, honked the horn. And, and as I looked, they said I was number one. <laughs> and then as I got a better look at them, I said, oh, I know who they are. <laughs> And so after I told that story in church, somebody came up to me after church. Was that me, brother? <laughs> I said, no, it wasn't you, but I appreciate you being convicted. That's good. That's good. You ought to work on that. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Are y'all tracking with me? Acts 4.13, listen to what it says. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The question, you know, that I need to ask myself is, do people see Jesus in me when I'm in public? Am I a good reflection of Christ's likeness? See, if I live my life as a, as a believer outside the walls of the church and I'm not concerned about the, the example that I'm setting, I'm focusing too much on the outside of the cup and not enough on the inside of the cup. But a true disciple focuses on the inside of the cup. Does that make sense out there? Amen. A fourth spiritual discipline of true disciples is this. True disciples exercise the spiritual discipline of ministry. You know, what is it that disciples do that just fans don't? You know, some people came around Jesus's ministry just to see the show. Man, I can't wait to see the show. Man, you talk about some entertainment here. They watched the show, and after it was done, they just went home. Oh, they brought home a piece of bread, maybe a fish. But their motive of being there wasn't to do ministry. It was simply to just check it out. True disciples develop the discipline of helping others and ministering to the needs of humanity. That's what the disciples did. Remember? Jesus fed the crowd. They picked up the leftovers. They organized the line. They, they got in the boat and went across the sea, got to get the word out. Hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus will be here. Y'all get ready. Jesus will be here. They did the work. Jesus showed up and did the ministry. 
See, true disciples, they don't allow the busyness of life to fill their time and their schedule so that they have no more time left to devote anything to ministering for God. Right? You see, when are we going to minister? Is it just going to happen? Or do we need to be purposeful? Do we need to be focused? See, the disciples, they left their nets and followed him. They did what it took to do ministry. And see, listen, Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. The discipline of serving others is a true quality of a true disciple. See, if I'm a disciple of Jesus, I have to ask the question, what am I doing in service for him? If I'm not doing anything, that's a problem, wouldn't you say? Come on, that just got really quiet in here. Come on, hey, let's talk. Is this true or not? Did Jesus call us to just hang out or did he call us to reach the world, to serve? He said, listen, I didn't come to to be served. I came to serve. What is he calling us to do? To serve. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. See, I think that we need to put great value on ministering for God. I think we need to put a great value on serving for God. Listen, in the American church, in the American culture, people don't want to hear about serving. They want to know about how can I be served? Serve me, serve me. It's all about me. Can you serve me? Can you help me? Can you reward me? Can you bless me? Me is on the throne. But Jesus says in true discipleship, Me has to be kicked off of the throne and Jesus has to get seated on the throne and we have to say, Jesus, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? That is true discipleship. Come on, that's better preaching than you're responding to. Isn't that true, saints? Come on, it might hurt, but it's right, isn't it? Man, it hurts our flesh. We don't want to serve. But man, if we can break through that veil and get our sleeves rolled up and put a towel on our arm and say, find me somebody that needs some help. I want to serve somebody. Somebody made a song like that. You got to serve somebody. Come on, are y'all with me out there, saints? Come on, we're trying to move in the kingdom of God. Amen. True disciples discover and use their gifts in serving other people. And listen, the result is that God's glory is spread throughout the entire community. Listen, let me tell you a quick story. Pastor Joseph was here from India a few weeks ago. At lunch, Elijah, Elijah and I, and and, uh, Kia and Tanya were there sitting with him at lunch. 
and we're asking him questions. And he told us about how they're reaching these villages that have never heard the gospel. There's an elder that's of uh, Hindu or Buddhist or mostly Hindu descent. That's the elder of the village. And they don't like Christians. And they don't want the gospel preached there. So they have to find a strategy to get the gospel there. And the way they did that was God gave revelation to Pastor Jose. Go to the elder of that village and ask him, would he be, will, would he be open to him bringing them some clothes for his people? Because some of them don't have shoes, maybe one outfit, maybe no outfit. Would you like clothes? And so Pastor Jose goes by a bale of clothes that probably comes from America for like pennies. And it's a whole bale of clothes. They take the clothes out, sort it out. They'll bring it to the elder and say, here you go, elder. Here's some clothes for you people. The elder invites all the people into the community. And he starts handing out the clothes. People are happy. Wow, look at my outfit. I got shoes. They're just, they're just elated. And so then he comes back a few weeks, a few months later and says, elder, how would you like for us to bring your people some bread? Well, they, they, some of them don't have meals every day. Well, certainly. So he brings the bread, an armful of bread to the elder. The elder hands it out to the villagers. It comes back a few months later. How would you like, like some soap, some cleaning material, some a hairbrush, a mirror, you know, some stuff that you can buy, pretty inexpensive for all the people in the village. He comes back with this sack of stuff and the elder hands it out. And all of a sudden, the people start asking, hey, why are you doing this for us? I'm glad you asked. I'm a God-fearing man. And the Lord has called me to be a servant of all. And I see that you don't have proper clothing. You don't have enough food. You're very poor. And my Lord encourages me to go help those that need help. And he said, before you know it, the gospel is being preached. People are being saved. And the whole village is being converted. Why? Isn't that great? And he said, the amazing thing is we start telling them about healing and and stuff like that. We start praying for people and demons start coming out of people because they they invite demons into their life because they got to rely on some God to protect them and help them. But when they find out about the true God, the spirit of God moves, but it all moves in the context of serving and helping. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is that God will move in your life. If you'll just get in the habit of helping somebody, serving somebody, it's like the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea doesn't have any life in it because it has an inlet but no outlet. The Sea of Galilee has all kind of life in it because it has an inlet and an outlet. And we, we can't be the Dead Sea. We need to be the Sea of Galilee, teeming with life, amen? So we got to have an inlet and we have to have an outlet. And if we will get in the habit of serving people, God will bless us. Listen, you know what our job is here as pastors? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Look at Ephesians 4.11. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. To reach the standard of Christ as a pastor, I have to teach the saints to do the work of ministry. The maturity and growth of the body of Christ hinges on us doing the work of the ministry. The more we do something, the more we serve somebody, the healthier the church will be, the more it will grow, and the more God will get the glory. Amen? Come on, you ready to be a full-on true disciple of Christ? Come on, stand with me as we get ready to close in prayer. What is the indispensable key of a true disciple? I believe it's exercising spiritual discipline. You know, there's nobody, unless it's a cult, unless it's out of whack, unless it's in the bondage and out of balance, the church doesn't force anybody to do service. It's a volunteer thing. It's a here's the command. Here's the instruction. If you want to be a full follower of Jesus, make disciples and teach them to obey the commands. As a pastor, one day I'm going to die. I'm going to have to get before God. I'm going to have to give a double account. I'm going to have to account for my life personally and what I did. And I'm going to have to give an account for how I pastored his people. I want my accounting to be good, to be right. As a pastor, it's my obligation, it's my responsibility to do my best to teach the church of God to do all that God has called them to do. Because in the pews that sits in the pews, people are sitting with incredible gifts, talents, and abilities, and anointing and power that God can use to build his church, that the gates of hell will not be able to stop. Souls will be saved, lives will be changed, marriages will be restored. Who knows what's going to happen if we, the army of God, get set free and released and loose to do that all God wants us to do. Question is, are you willing? Are you willing to do it? Are you willing? All it takes is willingness. All it takes is a heart that says, I'm Lord, I don't want to be just a, I don't want to be just a, 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 a outsider. I just want to, I don't want to be a, a fringe follower. God, I want to be a full on disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your power. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your spirit. Come on, let's ask the Lord to stir us up. Come on, let's ask the Lord to give us a breakthrough. Lord, thank you that you've given us breakthrough today. Thank you, Lord, that you're stirring us up today. Thank you, Lord, that God, you've given us the grace that we need to do what you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord, that God, we are true disciples. And that, Lord, we're not satisfied. We're living an undisciplined, unfocused life. But Lord, thank you that you've given us the grace 
to be men of God, women of God, children of God, students of God that are willing to give our best, to give it our best shot to do what God has called us to do so that we can make a difference in our world, in our community, so that God, you will get all the glory and the honor in Jesus' mighty name. We pray and everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen, amen, amen. 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 Now listen, here's your homework. Go to Walmart and be nice. All right? Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.